Thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, if this is your first time jumping into the feed, welcome. You're jumping into a feed full of sermons, basically. Today, we are just jumping into a sermon that we went through at our young adult group recently on a Thursday night. And the question that we were trying to answer is this. If Paul and Jesus are calling us as Jesus followers to be humble and self-sacrificial in order to build community, then how far is too far? How humble is too humble? How self-sacrificial is too self-sacrificial? What does it look like? And today, Paul is going to be just boasting about Jesus as the one true example for us to follow in order to pursue this loving community that God has drafted us into. And so I hope that you're blessed by today's message and that you yourself are able to come more fully into this lifestyle of being others-focused and others-centered in the pursuit of unity. Let's get into it. from last week. Uh, Last week we were in Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4 where we read about this amazing kind of three-part ministry that's happening to every single one of us if we follow Jesus. This ministry is happening from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. These beings coming into our lives to minister to us and to transform us from the inside out. So we read about what God is doing inside of us, and then we read about what the Spirit is hoping that we would actually do as a result of our inner being being transformed. So we read about some different things that, you know, we should be enacting as uh, Christians. And then tonight, we're jumping into a part of this hymn, this song, where Paul is, it feels like he's kind of pivoting a little bit. It feels like he's shifting. He's talking less about you know, our, our lives being transformed and how we should live. And he starts talking all about Jesus, which is great. We, we love that, obviously. Um, our vision here at Calvary is Jesus famous. Um, I love this passage so much. But when we look at it at first glance, it feels like Paul is just shifting direction to just kind of have like a praise break or just to talk about Jesus for a little bit. But if you look a little bit closer what actually is happening is Paul isn't just shifting focus from how we're to live as believers. In fact, I think he's actually doubling down on how we should live as believers by giving us the example or the blueprint a little bit of how Jesus lowered himself. If you remember last week, we talked about, you know, unity was comprised of humility and self-sacrifice what we're going to see here tonight is that Jesus is the ultimate prototype example for how to be humble and self-sacrificial for the sake of unifying people together and reconciling us to God the Father. So I just wanted to let you guys kind of know that, that that's where we're going. And basically Paul's like bedrock, I feel like for this part of the chapter is that the Christian ethic um, is based on the work and event 
of Jesus. So what Paul is trying to do to kind of help us see how to really live our lives is shaped from the event of Jesus. You know, before he came to this earth and inhabited that, that body, when he was in that body, when he was offered up on the cross, when he died, was resurrected and then ascended to heaven and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, that whole event, that's where Paul is getting his whole Christian ethic for self-sacrifice, humility, and ultimately unity. So his whole idea is that we want to become and practice what we already are in Christ. So I just want to read to you this passage real quick, and then we'll jump right into it. So this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I'm reading in the English Standard Version. Um, So if you want to follow along, go for it. Okay, verse 5. Paul says this, Have this mind among yourselves. That language sounds familiar. It sounds a lot like last week. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father Amen. Man, can somebody say amen to that, please? All right, let's pray for a moment. Thank you, Father, for this text. Man, what a joy it is to read about what Jesus has done for us, to read about his sacrifice and his resurrection, and God, what you were producing through it all. Thank you for the partnership of the Spirit, Son, and Father, and how you minister to your people today. We just want to ask, Lord, right now that you would soften our hearts, that you would open us up to be able to hear from you, that these words that we receive would transform us and make us into people who really honor you with everything that we do. And I also just want to pray just specifically for rest over every single person here, over their homes and over their families. I don't know what's going on inside of everybody's relationships in their homes, uh, but I just want to ask why I feel like that impression just to pray for health in homes, spiritual, relational, and physically, and mentally as well. Lord, would you please bring, bring health into our homes? We love you, God, and we give you this time. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, this passage It's all about Jesus, but it's also all about us. Jesus, or uh, Paul's not trying to make us at the equal standing of Jesus, but he's trying to give us an example of who Jesus is, what he has done, and presenting it to the Philippians to say, hey, this is your inspiration for the life ahead of you. So I have to say that because uh, as we go through this text, if you couldn't have noticed already, it's a bit dense. This is like one of the most dense uh, parts of the whole New Testament. It's actually 
one portion of scripture that is constantly being argued about and over and wrestled with by different scholars and pastors and theologians because it's so rich. But because of that, it can just feel a bit heady and a bit like kind of just, I don't know how you're feeling on Thursday night with the smoke in the air and um, it just being kind of the end of the week. But I know you might feel a little dizzy or dozy with your masks on and everything. So I just want to say that as we're going through this, if you're feeling a little, just a little sleepy, just hang in there, okay? Just snap back with me. Do your thing if you need to, but um, just remember that through this whole thing, what we're trying to see is Jesus's example of humility and self-sacrifice for the purpose of unity, and that is the influence for us to live in this kind of way as well. So you got that? That's pretty much the whole message, so now let's kind of see how you guys hang in. You guys doing okay so far? All right. I, I love, if you can just talk a little bit back at me or make some, even like a grunt is okay. I'll take a sigh or a snore even. Just some kind of sounds, okay? So that's where we're at tonight. Again, what we're looking at is Jesus. This is all Jesus. And what Paul is trying to show us right now is what we have in Jesus. And then he's going to show us what Jesus has done. And then he's going to show us what God has done as a response to what Jesus has done and how unity is provided through that. So let's take a look at what Jesus has given us so far. Jesus has given us the greatest example of unity. That's the first thing. Jesus has given us the greatest example of unity. In verse 5, Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? We talked, you know, for the past couple of weeks about what it means to have one mind. We kind of like wrestle together, right? We have people of different personalities and thought processes coming together, wrestling together, agreeing on some way to move forward, and in that resulting in unity. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean to have the mind of Christ? Here's a couple different ways to think about it, okay? Let this way of thinking be adopted by you, which also was the way of thinking adopted by Christ. Think about adopting a new mindset from Jesus, okay? Another way to think about it. Let this way of living be true among you as it becomes those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't only just adopt this new mentality, but let it become true of your life, and of the people around you as well. And lastly, base your practical reasoning on what you see in Christ Jesus. So make decisions based on what you know about how Jesus would make decisions. This is, this is having the same mind as Christ, adopting his mindset, becoming like him, and making decisions as he would make decisions. The whole point here is that your outlook determines your outcome. Somebody tweet that or something. Your outlook becomes your outcome. Your outlook becomes your outcome. And, you know, that makes sense, right? What you put in, you put out. What you eat, you are. What you have coming inside of you is who you become. And what Paul says here is that, yo, you all have the mind of Christ. I know you probably don't feel like it all the time, but if you follow Jesus, 
God's spirit resides inside of you. And as he's transforming you, he is producing this mindset in you that's just like Jesus. That's yours tonight. So feast on that. Think about that. Work that into your life. That is what you have as a believer. Your outlook determines your outcome. Okay, so this is what we have. We have this mindset in Christ. Now, what did Jesus do with this mindset? You know, he's thinking, he's acting. What did he do? He did a few things that show us what it looks like to really be humble and self-sacrificial and to develop unity among the people around us. The first thing is this. Jesus remained as he was. Jesus remained as he was. Let me explain. In verse 6, Paul says, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God. The word form here basically just means the outward expression of an inner or an inward nature. Paul here is basically looking back to Jesus, not just his physical form, but he's looking even back farther than that to when Jesus was in full fellowship with God the Father and God the Spirit in heaven, residing together. Jesus was in the form of God. And Paul's making a note here that he was in the form. When he came to earth, when he came in the form of that little child, that little baby, he didn't lose any of his divine nature. He was still God. He had the form of God. He took on a body, but he was still fully God. And maybe just a note for like this whole passage. You know, we're kind of talking about some things that are a little hard to understand. Honestly, when I was studying this, I'm like, how, how does this all work? I'm kind of having a hard time like, just wrestling through all this again. If it kind of goes over your head again, just stick with me a little bit. This is some Christian theology and doctrine that just takes a little bit of wrestling with. But Jesus, before he was in that human body, he was with God the Father and God the Spirit. When he came to earth, he still had that divine nature. He was still God in the flesh. So he remained as he was when he was in his body here on earth. Second thing he did was that Jesus laid down his privileges. He remained as he was, and now he lays down his privileges. In verse 6, Paul says, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That word grasped is an interesting word. It means basically um, something selfishly to be held on to. Now, Jesus didn't look at his divine nature as something to just be grasped onto, something to selfishly hold onto for his own benefit. Jesus wasn't using all of his power and all of his might to get a banging house, to get all the donkeys he ever wanted, to get some clout, some people following him, to create some influence in the world. He didn't use that divine nature out of a proportion to the ministry that he had agreed and submitted to live here on earth. He laid down his privileges. You think about Jesus outside of his body. He was all-powerful. He could be anywhere, whenever. He, he was at all places all at the same time. 
he was all knowing. But when he entered that little child, his body, when he entered his body, he laid down his all knowing nature. It, we, read, we read in scripture that Jesus had to learn. He grew in stature and in knowledge. He laid down um, knowing every single thing. He laid down being all powerful. The guy had to sleep. He had to eat. He had to do other things that we all do. He had to lay that down. He laid down being everywhere all at once. Jesus could not be everywhere all at once. He could be in one place at one time. Jesus remained as he was. He was God. He was divine in nature. But he also laid down his privileges. He didn't see it, his privileges as as God, as something to grasp onto selfishly. And then he intentionally served people. In verse 7, it says that Jesus took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Again, here we're seeing the word form. So in verse 6, we see that Jesus was in the form of God. And here we're seeing that he's in the form of a servant. Similar words, he was 100% divine, 100% God, and 100% man, 100% servant. He was both. He wasn't 50 50ing it. He wasn't 99% and 1%ing it. He was 100 and 100. Fully God, fully man. Again, this is some hard stuff to kind of wrap our brains around, but this is the truth about who Jesus was. He was God in flesh. And so he showed his love through serving. Jesus' theology wasn't uh, just abstract. He was someone who served by getting on the ground himself. This is the, the Jesus that we're talking about who got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. This is the Jesus who mourned with people, grieved with people, who would get food and break it and share it with people, multiply it. This is the Jesus who was a servant, fully God, fully man. But Jesus also submitted his will to the Father. In verse 8 here, it says, Jesus being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to serve and empty himself out to the last, the last breath. I don't know about you, but uh, when it comes to serving, I, I love serving. I, I love doing ministry. I love being there for people, but I don't know if you guys can resonate with this. It's hard to serve when it hurts, right? It's kind of nice to serve when it's just convenient. It's hard when it gets in the way of your schedule, when it keeps you up too late, wakes you up too early, gets you in a conversation you weren't really hoping for. It can be hard, right? But Jesus had none of the hang-ups that you and I have. I'm sure you guys are all better people than I am. I have those hang-ups. But Jesus, man, he just constantly poured himself out. He was up late. He was up early. He, if he was an introvert, I feel really bad for him because he had people around him all the time. And he spent time with God the Father in prayer. He made time to get away. But, man, he constantly served. And he gave himself. And as a result— the most powerful ministry in the whole world was done through him. One theologian said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And we see that in the life of Jesus. He gave everything 
and gained and accomplished everything. So again, what we're talking about here is Jesus as the example for our relationships, right? The, the example for our humility, the way that we see others and place value on others. And he's the perfect example of self-sacrifice, the way we serve others. And this is the way it kind of breaks down right here. Jesus, he emptied himself. He laid aside his independent use of his own attributes as God. He permanently became a human and, and a sinless one at that. And he used his body as a servant, and he took that body to the cross and willingly died. What we see here is that not only did Jesus step out of heaven to inhabit a body, but from there he, he served, he gave himself, and then he died for the people that he loved. This is humility. This is self-sacrifice. This is what it looks like to value others more than ourselves and to serve others above ourselves. This is a tall order, right? We look at this and we're like, I mean, I look at it, I'm like, I don't think I could do any of this. <laughs> this is, as far as examples go, let's take somebody who's a little bit more mellow, somebody who's not going to stretch themselves so thin. Uh, this is kind of like a scary example, right? But what Paul is getting at here is, will you be willing to sacrifice yourself in this way? Will you be willing to have the same mind as Jesus? Will you take on the way he sees people? the way he views his body in relation to the people around him? Will you use yourself as a witness for what God has done for you and serve others as a result? This is what Jesus did. And one of the funny things about Jesus is that he, he didn't walk around like a total mope, right? I mean, he, he served, he gave himself, he gave everything of himself, but Jesus never complained. You ever notice that? In Scripture, he never complains. He never gripes about the life that he's living. Yes, in the garden, he went to God the Father and asked God, please, if there's any other way for, for mankind to be reckoned with you, please don't let me go to the cross. But after three times of praying that prayer, he again just resubmitted himself. He never complained. He pleaded before God. But man, never had a gripe about anything. But in that, you know, like serving, pouring himself out, full of joy. Isn't that crazy to think that someone who gives so much of themselves would actually live a life of so much joy and purpose? I don't know about you, but I, I want a lot. <laughs> I feel like joy is restored through quiet time and just me time. Like I just want me, myself, and I. The things that I want, that I like, that's what I want. And I feel like that's what produces the most joy. But if you've ever kind of gone down that path yourself of Netflix binges or binges in other substances or addictions or whatever it might be, you know that we were not built to just pour in only, right? We just can't sustain it. We get fat, we get uncomfortable, we get bloated, we get things get funky. We weren't built for that. We were built for service. And the paradox of the Christian faith is that as you serve, you will be satisfied. As you serve, 
you will be satisfied. It doesn't seem like it makes sense in our brains, but as you serve, man, God will rush into your life and fill your heart with his presence in such a unique and powerful way. And that's what we see here in the next few verses. That as Jesus gave himself completely for the people that he loved, for all of mankind, as he did that to his dying breath, God the Father steps in and does three things that are so incredibly powerful for Jesus' life and for the overall redemptive plan of God the Father and the rest of the Trinity. This is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the three things that God stepped in to do, the Father stepped in to do. God the Father gave Jesus a new name when he stepped in. When Jesus was on earth, he had the name Jesus. People called him Jesus. He died as Jesus, and he is still Jesus, right? But when God raised Jesus from the dead, when he lifted him back up to the right hand of the throne of God, he gave him a new name. That new name was Lord. Jesus as Lord. This is the way that he's to be respected now. This is a result of Jesus pouring out his life for you and for me. Receives a new name. Receives a new position. Receives the name as Lord. And then we see here that he not only is at that position with God the Father, but that one day every single person will recognize him as Lord. I love how Paul says it here. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. If you're dead or alive, baby, you're going to be seeing Jesus as Lord. If you've been faithful or rebellious, you're still going to recognize Jesus as Lord. No matter where you're at on the spectrum of following Jesus or all out rebellion against him, every single being that this planet has ever seen will recognize the name of Jesus, and that is Lord. This is a result of him pouring himself out for the people around him. And then this, we see that through all of this, that it's all for the glory of God the Father. Jesus' incarnation, Jesus' service and ministry, Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, Jesus' ascension, his new name, this position, this promise that everyone will bow to the name of Jesus. All of this is for who? You think it's about Jesus. It's about the Father. All this is to the glory of God. Jesus, when he was on the cross, as he's hanging with his arms outstretched, nails in his hands, blood coming out of every pore of his body, beaten, bloody, bruised, mocked, close to the edge of death. Jesus says this. He says, God, Father, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. John 17, 1. 
Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. At his last dying breath, man, he was glorifying God the Father. And I love this. I just think about my life and think about the service that I've been able to engage in over the years. Maybe you think about the service that you've engaged in over the years. Has it hurt? Has it been hard? Has it been easy? Have you kind of shied away from serving because you feel like you don't have enough time? You're stretched too thin. You're not able. I understand all of those feelings. I remember when I first got called to do something in the church. It was from Pastor Nate when he was my high school pastor. And I just started to play guitar. Didn't sing at all. And he's like, Riley, we, we lost our worship leader. I need you to step up and lead worship for us. I was like 15 or 16. I, I, I can't do it. I won't do it, dude. I, and I, I didn't even tell him. I emailed him. That's where I was at. I was just like, I was like, I'm so sorry, bro. I just cannot do it. I remember him getting me. Like we were sitting right here. We had a bench. And he's like, Monzo, I just need you to do this. I just remember crying. I was like, I cannot do this. I will not serve in this kind of way. I'll do anything else. Just don't put me in that place. And, um, man, through taking steps of uncomfort, failing, just being silly, making stupid mistakes, but just being faithful and doing it, man, there's been a peace in my heart through serving Jesus. And I believe that God does the same thing in all of your lives as well. As you take a step into the unknown, as you do something that's a bit risky, for the Lord. Man, he wants to step in and meet you there. Not just to meet you to help you, but to meet you to, I think, give you a new name, if I can be so bold to say that. I think he wants to do that so that people will see you and they will glorify God the Father. I think that God wants us to take these steps of faith to serve others, to value others, to cultivate unity so that, man, there can be this movement of God, what I like to call revival, so that revival can take place in our community. This is the stuff that God is calling us to do, to serve the people around us and to love those who God has called to be around us. I just want to close with this last quote and this last thought about who Jesus is and why it's so important for us to have this mindset of Christ? Why is it so important for us to follow Jesus and to see him as our model for self-sacrifice and for humility? N.T. Wright, um, a theologian, he says this, the decision to become human and to go all the way along the road of obedience, obedience to the divine plan of salvation, yes, all the way to the cross. Now listen to this, listen, this decision was not a decision to stop being divine. We talked about that already. Instead, it was a decision about what it really meant to be divine. His progression through incarnation to death must be seen, not as something which required him, as it were, to stop being God for a while, but as the perfect self-expression of the true God. What we see here is that Jesus is the perfect example of divinity. And I want to make a 
a note about that because I think that so often when we look at Jesus, what we try to do is we try to compare Jesus to God. Is Jesus really God? You know, that word God, I mean, in our modern day, in our culture and society, God, the word God is just like this junk drawer word, if I can just say it like that, where Christians and non-Christians just throw all these ideas and concepts and ideologies and hopes and dreams into. And we say, based on what I think God is, is Jesus God? He doesn't fit with my line of who God is, so Jesus cannot be God. But here's the deal. And I'm, please don't hear me wrong. Jesus is God, okay? Jesus is God. But check this out. God is Jesus. Jesus is God, but God is Jesus. Why do we say it like that? Because Jesus says to his disciples, if you know me, then you know the Father. If you see me, then you know who God is. Why is that important? Jesus is our starting place for knowing who God is. Jesus is our beginning point for understanding the Christian ethic that God is calling you and me into. Jesus is the starting place for understanding sacrifice, humility, unity, love, compassion. So often we get into God's word and, you know, we try to reconcile the Old Testament and the New Testament God, right? Jesus says, look at me. If you know me, you will know, you will know God the Father. I'd encourage you guys to read this passage again, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Take it back to verse 1, go through 11, and learn about what Jesus has done for you. Jesus did even much more than what we read about here tonight, but this example of humility and self-sacrifice, this is, man, if we can get this, we will understand the heart of God so much more deeply. And I believe that our lives will be transformed from the inside out for the glory of God. Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.